And we got to remember that sometimes we might even be wrong. God resists the proud, but he favors the humble. I want us to posture humility. Man, when it comes to other churches, when it comes to other believers, when it comes to people who see things differently, it's okay to stand and say, this is what I believe, and this is why, and this is what the Bible says. But we're going to walk in humility as we do it, church. We're going to walk in grace as we do it, and we're going to leave the door open, maybe just a little crack, maybe just a little sliver, that maybe there's a piece about it that we haven't completely figured out ourselves. Maybe there's some other part of this that we haven't fully grasped for ourselves. Aaron Nyquist, worship leader, said this in his book. Uh, he, he said, conviction is a beautiful thing, but so is humility. I'm not telling you not to have convictions. I'm not telling you not to stand for what you believe in. Conviction is a beautiful thing, but so is humility. And we've got to learn to walk in humility. 1 Peter 5, we referenced it already, but I want to give you a little more context for it. Peter says this. He says, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you. Everybody say all of you. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. I believe that means Lutherans and Anglicans and non-denominationals, and charismatics, and Pentecostals, and Baptists, and insert denomination here, and interdenomination here, and label here. If people love Jesus, if they know Jesus, we are called to clothe ourselves in humility towards them. Doesn't mean they're not wrong. Doesn't mean we're right. But we walk in humility towards one another. We clothe ourselves in humility to one another. And then he says why? He said because... God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. We want God to show favor to City Church. We want God to use City Church to reach this community for his glory. If our our motto is not just a handy tagline but something we actually believe in, that we're going to reach this city by reaching one, that's going to happen. It's going to happen as we clothe ourselves in humility. So we wrap that around ourselves as we carry that as our banner. We clothe ourselves in humility. Verse 6 says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. I don't know about you, but I like the idea of his mighty hand lifting us up. I love that picture, that concept. So number one dangerous form of pride is pride in my beliefs. Second dangerous form of pride is pride in my sin. We live in a generation that wants to celebrate everything. We live in a generation that wants to celebrate sin. From pride parades to the abortion hashtag, shout your abortion on social media, celebrating. And look, I know that abortion hurts women. I know many women carry great scars and great guilt. And I believe that we serve a God of grace who forgives. And the church's posture towards people who have abortions should not be we hate you, should not, should not be against them. We should be for them because Jesus is for them. Amen. But that doesn't mean we celebrate sin, something that breaks the heart of God, something that is so contrary to the God that we serve. We cannot walk in pride about our sin. Pride about our sin may look like, like a particular style of music that, that glorifies the sin that we sing loudly and proudly and we identify strongly with. 
It may look like a particular form of entertainment that, 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 that we grab a hold of. It may look like, man, just saying, oh, man, that's just how I am with a smile and a wink. Man, if we've got sin in our life, praise God, he's got grace that's bigger than our sin. But I'm not proud of that sin. I'm proud that I serve a God who loves me anyway. I'm proud that I serve a God who's good enough to heal me of it and take it from me and help me work through it. But I'm not proud of the sin that I'm walking in. We have to be careful not to celebrate sin. Number three type of dangerous pride that we see in our generation is pride in my righteousness. Pride in my righteousness. In so many aspects of life, there's a ditch on both sides. We can miss it over on this side, or we can miss it over on this side. So, so there's the celebrating my sin ditch over here. But for Christians, this ditch is probably more easily driven into. Celebrating my righteousness. Look what I got right. Look at how good I am. Look at my goodness. Look at me. This, of course, is not something new to our generation. 2,000 years ago, Jesus warned us about this. He taught a parable. A parable is simply an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so Luke chapter 18, Jesus shares this parable with us very famously. It's called the parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee. And in Luke 18 verse 9, it says this. Jesus said, or says, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. Proud of his righteousness. You know what? Righteousness is not a bad thing. It's a good thing that he fasts twice a week. It's a good thing that he gives 10%, and it's a good thing that he doesn't struggle with those sins. All of those are positive things. But self-righteousness is not. Verse 13 said, but the text collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. There's a couple things here we need to see. Number one, if you're walking in pride, there's humility on its way. If you won't grab humility for yourself, God will bring it into your life. That's a scary place to be. If you're walking around saying, God, humble me. I don't want to be at that place. But if you will grab humility, it says God will exalt you. It's a pretty awesome thing, isn't it? It's pretty incredible to think about. There's another principle here, that God cares more about my heart than he cares about my actions. We have one person here who's got all the right actions but the wrong heart. We've got another person here who's got all the wrong actions but the right heart. And Jesus said one of them went home justified. Am I saying go have all the wrong actions as long as your heart's right? It's okay. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is this. Jesus cares about your heart. He looks at the heart. And if we get the heart right, the actions are going to follow. That's why the heart's so important. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? Out of the abundance of the heart, we act. Out of the abundance of the heart, we live, we flow. So it doesn't say it in the verse, but I think it's pretty reasonable to assume that the tax collector went home justified before God, and because of his justification, he started to live a more righteous life. 
But the Pharisee, who felt just self-justified, he didn't have any room, any need for God in his life. And so there was no room for God to move. There was no room for God to do anything. All who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. So those are three very dangerous types of pride that perhaps you identify with. Perhaps there's some of that in your life. If there is today, I'd encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit to to put his finger on it. Allow him to identify it. Don't push it away. Don't justify it. Don't try to make excuses and rationalize it. If it's you, embrace it. God, that's where I'm at today. I need your help. I want to show you three beautiful types of pride. Three beautiful types of pride. You may not have expected this. I didn't as I started on this message, but I think this is what God led me to share. Three beautiful types of pride. The first beautiful type of pride is pride in who God made me. Notice I said in who God made me. So so we all have a sin nature. God didn't make me with that. We inherited that from the fall. So I'm not proud of my sin nature, but I am proud of who God made me. Before the fall, before the sin nature, God made me in his image, right? He created us in his image. Psalm 139, 14 says famously this. It says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. You can be proud of the way you were made. You can be proud of how God made you. Why? Because it's to his glory, not to yours, right? I mean, I can be proud of what God has done for me. I told you a little bit about Alexa already. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about her. So my two-year-old, she's, she's a trip. Uh, and, and one of the ways that she's really cracked us up lately, my, my in-laws are here, Jim and Edna Kaufman from Pennsylvania. They came down to help us celebrate Judah's birthday. And Lexi is a grandpa's girl. She's decided this very strongly. Grandpa is her favorite over anybody. Uh, so the other day, uh, Lexi wakes up, and, and she comes around the corner, and she sees Grandma. And the first word out of her mouth, the first sentence to grandma is, where's grandpa? Hi, grandma. Not as good to see you. Not I missed you. Like nothing. Just where's grandpa? Just blew her off looking for grandpa, right? She's a grandpa's girl. She loves grandpa. She calls him grandpa. And, and she's got this, this thing in her heart. She's proud of her grandpa. She's proud of who she identifies with. There's some connection there. And what's funny about it is just the same way on my side of the family. She loves grandpa. She's just a grandpa's girl. There's something about her grandpa's that, that she gravitates to. It's a pretty beautiful thing. And I, I think in the same way that Lexi is proud of her grandpa's, we should be proud of what God's up to. We should be proud of God's workmanship, right? She's descended from these two men, and she's proud of them. She doesn't know the DNA or the biology of it, but, but she knows there's something to be proud of here. I'm God's workmanship, Ephesians says. Created in him to do good works, which he created in advance for me to do. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm made in his image. He, he breathed his life into me. I can be proud of that. Be proud of who God made you to be in, in the creation story, Genesis chapter one, God creates on day one and he says it's good, and day two he says it's good, and on and on down through the days he says it's good, but day six he creates Adam and Eve and he looks down and it says it is very good. You're the cherry on top of God's Sunday. You're his crowning achievement, and he's proud of you. He's proud of who you made you to be. He's proud of the way he designed you. He's proud of his image that he put in you. And we can be proud to be created in his image as well. Second thing, you can be proud, pride in what God has done for me. Proud of who he made you to be, number two, proud of what he's done for you. If you went through 
Grow With Us, our Sunday night series as we walked through Not a Fan. Pastor Kyle Eidelman shared this incredible illustration that I'm just going to steal for today and pretend it's mine. But uh, he, he had these, these daughters, right? And they had this couch, this white couch that was in like this set-aside room. It was a special room that they kind of only used when they had guests over. And, and so one day... One of the daughters spilled some sort of like red drink on the white couch, and she flipped the cushion over. And they didn't notice it for a while because they never went in there. So finally one day they're in there, and the cushion comes off, and they find this big red spot, so they got to call a family meeting. All right, who did this? What happened? Why'd you hide it? And so eventually the guilt catches up with her and the shame, and she finally confesses. And, and she expected this huge drama, and I'm sure she got punished and everything, but but they loved on her. They told her it's okay, man. We're going to make mistakes. And they showed grace to her. And so as they extended grace to her, even in the midst of, of the punishment, even in the midst of everything that came down, they said, now the crazy thing happens. Anytime we have guests over, our daughter grabs the guests, and she takes them into the special room, and she says, hey, hey, I want to show you something. And she picks up the cushion, and she shows them the red spot, and she says, I did that. But my... But mom and dad forgave me, but they love me anyway. And it's this beautiful picture, right, of, of celebrating what God's done. My dad has an incredible testimony. He lived a very dark life before he came to Jesus at 33 years old. And, and he's a very amateur songwriter, and he'll tell you that. But one of the ways that he expresses his love to Jesus is to sit down with his guitar and to write a song. And I, I grew up my whole life hearing this, and I'm sure he's not even the first person who put it to words. But, but he put it to music, and he says... I'm not what I want to be, and I'm not who I'm going to be, but I thank God that I'm not what I was. Man, we can be proud of what God's done. We can point back to the red stain in the couch of our life and say, look, that's who I was. That's what I did, but Jesus came in, and he washed me, and he forgave me, and he loved me. Man, you should have something going on in your life, something that God is up to, something that God has done that you can say, man, I'm proud of what God's done. I'm proud that's not who I am anymore, not because of my strength, not because of my willpower, not because I pulled myself up by my bootstraps, because I serve a God who extended his grace to me, who looked at me in my filth and my shame and said, I want you anyway. I'm going to adopt you. I'm going to bring you in. I'm going to wash you and make you clean and make you whole. You can be proud of what God has done. Third way that we can be proud, the third thing we can be proud of is I can be proud of what God is doing in me. See, God ain't done. I'm not a finished product. Thank Jesus I'm not a finished product. He's still up to something, isn't he? Is he still doing something in your life? Is he still processing some things for you? Man, I'm grateful that I'm in process. I'm grateful that he's up to something. Philippians chapter 1, the apostle Paul says this. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. He began a good work in you. We point back and say, there's the couch. But he didn't stop the work at that point. It's still ongoing. He's still up to something. His spirit's still moving, amen? Man, you can be proud. This is, this is what God's up to. 
This is what God's working on in me. This is what God's teaching me. This is what God's doing. He's still up to something. Revelation 12, 11 says very famously, says they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. The word of their testimony. We got to share. We got to tell people about the couch. We got to tell people about the process. As we get ready to close, last section, I want to talk to you very, very quickly. All of us deal with pride. Maybe I've identified an area you deal with. Maybe I haven't. Maybe your pride looks different than this. Maybe it's pride in your looks or pride in your wealth, pride in your position, pride in your career, man, pride in your family, pride in, in, in your status as a husband or wife or proud that you're not a husband or wife or whatever, right? Like we can be proud of all kinds of different things. So what do we do if we're struggling with pride? How do we get over it? I want to empower you this week. This week, I want to give you three action steps, three things that you can walk out this week to begin to overcome pride. You see, the antidote to pride is humility. What we don't need to do is be like, man, God, help me not to be prideful. Help me not to be prideful. Help me not to be prideful. Like that, That's the wrong approach. I'm working on my pride. I'm dealing with my pride. Man, what we need to do is aspire to humility. Because humility is the antidote. Humility is the cure. Humility is what fixes our pride. So I want you to aspire to humility. And there's three things to do this week to increase humility and decrease pride. The first one is, is this, man, pray for humility. You know God answers our prayers? Duh. Of course you're going to say that, Pastor. Well, he does. And, man, I can sit here and, and, and tell you all kinds of great tips and all kinds of stuff, but the most important thing you can ever do with any of this stuff is take it to God. There's an authority in your life for your life that I will never have. I can pray for you, and God will answer some of the prayers that I pray for you, but he's going to answer your prayers for you a whole lot more because it's you submitting your will. It's you giving things over. It's you allowing him to work in you. So pray for yourself. I'm going to pray for you, I promise. Pray for yourself. Pray for humility. I love this picture of the tax collector. He didn't know it all. He didn't have the best theology. He didn't have the closest relationship with Jesus, but he recognized, God, I don't have it together. I need your mercy. And he went to God for his mercy. Man, simply the act of prayer itself is an act of humility, isn't it? It's a declaration that there's something greater. There's someone greater, that I'm going to someone who's got more authority than me. And so I think prayer itself brings humility in our lives. But we can pray for humility, and God will help us develop that. Second thing I want you to do this week is I want you to posture humility. Posture humility. The Bible gives us all kinds of ways that people in Scripture took postures of humility before God. They got on their knees. They got on their face. They raised their hands. They did all of these things which are, let's just be real, uncomfortable. Right? Man, I've never been raising my hands in worship and been like, man, I'm going to keep my hands here for the next hour. This feels good. Right? I get about three minutes in, and I'm like, okay, I need a break. Like, man, maybe I need to go to the gym a little bit more. Right? Like, uh, okay. Like, it's, it's not comfortable. I've never gotten on my knees before God and be like, oh, that's it. Yes. That's the spot. I'm like, man, I had ACL surgery, and my knee's wobbling, and this doesn't feel good, and this is a problem, right? Like, I've never got on my face before God and just like, oh, I'm going to lay here for a while, right? Like, it's uncomfortable. Getting on your face doesn't feel good. It's a posture of humility. It's sacrificing my comfort to make a declaration that he's greater. 
And if you need some humility in your life, if you need to, to work on getting rid of some of that pride, man, take a posture of humility. Nobody around. I'm not telling you to, like, do it in front of everybody so everybody can see how humble you are. That's the wrong way to do it. You're getting it wrong. I'm telling you is, man, get along with God. Lock yourself in your room, your closet, wherever it might be. Take a knee. Take two. Get on your face. Lift your hands, man. Get before him in an uncomfortable position that says, you know what, you're greater than me. You're you're more powerful than me. I recognize, God, that you've got something that I don't. And I'm not even worthy to be in your presence, but you allow me to come in because of Jesus anyway. And I'm going to lower myself. I'm physically going to humble myself. There's something about taking a posture of humility that's going to build some humility in you like nothing else. I'm not saying that's the only time to pray or the only way to pray. Man, I pray standing up. I pray driving. I pray laying in the bed. Like, I pray in a lot of different positions. But there's a benefit to intentionally posturing ourselves before God. Saying, you're the king of the universe. And yes, you love me. And yes, I'm your child. And yes, I can come into your presence anytime I want to. But I don't take that for granted. I still recognize who you are and I reverence your presence. Posture. For humility. Thirdly, this week, I want you to do this. I want you to practice humility. Practice humility. What do I mean by that? I, I mean, I want you to take second place. I mean, instead of being the first person in the line, I want you to let somebody go in front of you. Instead of grabbing the door and busting through it, I want you to hold the door for somebody. Man, instead of just doing something for yourself, I want you to do it for somebody else as well. Like, I want you to find a way this week, one way. I'm not telling you to do this every day or 15 times every day, but intentionally one way that you don't normally practice humility, that, man, this isn't normal for me, this isn't natural for me, this isn't just my normal flow, but I'm going to intentionally take second place Give honor to someone else. I'm going to give this other person a big piece of chicken or, you know, like whatever it might look. It might be something stupid and small like that. But where it's an act of humility, you say, you know what, this ain't all about me. I'm not just living for myself. I'm going to take second place to somebody else because, you see, it's, it's easy to disconnect vertical humility from horizontal humility, but it's the wrong way to do it. If we're truly humble before God, then we're going to be humble before man. Because we recognize that that man, that woman, that person in front of us is created in his image. That, that God loves them and that he's called us to be servants of all. That Jesus didn't come to, to, be, to serve but to be served. And if he came to be served and I'm called to follow him, that means I'm a servant. So practice humility. Posture humility. Pray for humility. And I believe as we do these things, it's going to help us work some pride out of our system. It's going to help us get some of that junk out that all of us naturally pick up along the way. Because God opposes the proud. But praise Jesus. He gives grace. He gives favor to the humble. We're going to be that second group. Amen, City Church? We're going to be the humble. We're going to be the humble with other churches. We're going to be the humble with other Christians. We're going to be the humble with each other. We're going to be the humble with the lost. We're going to be the humble one-on-one in our time with God because we're going to practice humility and pray for humility and posture humility. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we love you so much, Lord. God, we thank you for your goodness. God, we thank you for what you were up to in our midst. God, we thank you that you've given us your word as, as this handbook, as this guide on how to know you, how to serve you, how to, how to walk closer with you. 
So, Lord Jesus, we ask right now that, that you would help us to walk in humility. God, if any of us in this room are, are struggling with pride, God, if any of us in the room have, have pride creeping up in our life in some major way, God, I ask that you would identify it for us. Holy Spirit, put your finger on it. Help us to see, man, I've got pride in this way. I didn't even realize it was there, God. I've grown a blind spot to it because it's been there for so long. God, if you're opposing us and resisting us in any way, because we've allowed this thing to creep in, Lord, help us to see it and to deal with it today. God, help us to walk this out this week, to pray for humility, God, to, to practice humility, to posture humility. God, we trust you, and we trust your word. And Lord, we know that we've got nothing to be prideful of in ourselves, but dressed in Jesus' righteousness alone, one day we will boldly stand before the throne because of what you have done for us, not because of what we've done. And we thank you for it. God, we're proud of what you've done. We're proud of what you're up to. We're proud of who you've made us to be. And God, we ask you to make us more like Jesus because we gathered today. It's in Jesus' name we pray.